Hi, my name's Paul Grogan. Welcome to episode 22 of the All New Gaming Rules podcast. This episode is an audio version of the monthly video log which went live in June 2022, where I talk about all of the games that I've been playing, other things that I've been up to, and a quick recap on the UK Games Expo. Thank you very much to all of my Patreon supporters for making this possible, and if you like the content that I create and you want to support me directly, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name's Paul Grogan and welcome to the Gaming Rules Monthly Video Log for June 2022. I can't believe we're in June already. This year's just just absolutely flying by. Anyway, in this monthly video log, I'm going to be talking about all of the games that I've been playing since the last video log and various updates on other things that I've been up to. Uh, now, a couple of things just before we start. Uh, the first one is, if you watched the last monthly video log, you know that at the start of it, I talked about how I'd been going through a very rough time personally with all sorts of things going on. Um, I'm glad to say that I'm through the worst of it now. I don't think I'll ever be fully fixed, but um, you know, like many people, I, I suffer daily from continual anxiety and various other issues. Um, but I certainly got through the worst of it, and I just wanted to say a big thank you to everybody who reached out with messages of support and offering to help however they could. Uh, that was really helpful. Thank you very much. Also, last time, if you haven't watched uh, last month's video log, I did a little bit of product placement at the end of it. Uh, and I was very keen to hear people's thoughts and opinions on me doing product placement on the channel. Now, generally speaking, the majority of people got back to me and said that they have no problem with me doing product placement on the channel, uh, especially if I'm getting paid for it. If I'm getting paid for it, then they're more than happy for me to do it. However, uh, I wasn't paid for the last bit of product placement. It was just a case of uh, a, a company contacted me asking, giving me some free products and asking me to show it on the channel. I felt quite uncomfortable about it at the time. And in retrospect, I'm, I'm kind of wishing that I, I hadn't have done it. Um, and I think what I need to do moving forward is um, I will still do it because people are okay with me doing it, but only if it's somebody who I know who's offering me something which I have a personal interest in. Moving on, let's start talking about all of the games that I've been playing since the last video log. And the, the first one is, I believe, on the 11th of May, uh, I did a live playthrough with Tom Heath. It was a dual stream playthrough. So I was streaming it and Tom was streaming it at the same time. Super Skill Pinball using the new Star Trek version of the game. So Super Skill Pinball from WizKids, designed by Jeff Engelstein, came out a couple of years ago. Uh, fantastic game, really, really good fun. A roll and write themed around pinball and it works brilliantly it's really clever really exciting to play and i i love the game anyway since then there was a second box which was ramp it up uh, and then the third box is coming out very soon i don't think it's out yet but it's based on star trek so there's four new pinball tables all based around star trek uh, and me and Tom did a live stream of one of those tables, which was the Trouble with Tribbles, which has a very, very clever part of the game where you're basically powering up the, uh, the transporters and you're collecting Tribbles in this game. Now, you want to collect a certain amount of Tribbles because it's worth points when you score them. But if you collect too many, then they take over the ship and it's really bad. What you can do is if you go to this particular place in the top left of the board and hit these, the ball around these bumpers, you charge up the transporters and then you can beam over a number of these tribbles to another player's ship, um, which is fantastic because these pinball tables uh, and super skill pinball as a game, it's pretty much multiplayer solitaire. There is no player interaction between any of the players and I don't have a problem with that, but in this one there is. 
in the way that you can beam these uh, tribbles around. Anyway, that's on the channel if you're interested. And as I say, if you're a fan of Super Skill Pinball um, or, and, and you're looking forward to the new tables, then it's the Star Trek ones. Four tables as usual. We've covered one of them on the channel. If you're not uh, a fan of Super Skill Pinball, but you're interested, then check it out. I have covered um, the game previously on the channel. I've done a couple of other playthroughs. One, include, one with the designer himself. Uh, and let's just skip forward, actually. I'm just going to skip forward now to... Uh, when was it? The 18th of May. So on the 18th of May, because I enjoyed playing Super Skill Pinball so much with Tom on the 11th, I have a copy of Ramp It Up, which was the second... It's not an expansion, because it's a standalone product. Um, but I thought, well, I've not actually played any of these tables yet, and I wanted to do a solo playthrough. So on the 18th of May, this is on the channel if you want to see it, it's a, it's a solo playthrough of the Casino... What's it called? Something Heist. But it's it's the Casino pinball table from the Ramp It Up standalone set. Um, yeah, and the, and it's just great. I mean, that that table that I did, if we're talking about theme in games, the theme in Super Skill Pinball really comes through in the entire game. And in this one, you've actually got sort of two levels to it. You've got the casino, but you've got to break into the casino. And to do that, you need to pick the lock. And to pick the lock, you need to go here and you need to get the codes for the lock and then you can pick the lock. Or you can go into another part of the casino, but you've got to disable the security camera. So you literally need to hit your ball against the security camera to knock it out. And from then on, you can then go up the ramp and into the casino. It all makes sense and it's very exciting to play, and I, I, I love the game. I think it's fantastic. My only one criticism of the game is that it does play a bit long. Now, I know people that can play a game in about 45 minutes. For me, a standard three-round game normally takes about an hour to an hour and a quarter, um, and personally, I think it should be a 45-minute game. Maybe I'm, not just, maybe I'm just not playing it fast enough. Let me know what you think. If you're a fan of Super Skill Pinball, how long does it take you to play a standard three-round game? Because if you're playing it in about 45 minutes, then I know it's just it's just me playing slow. Um, and yeah, if you've got any other comments on any of the other games that I'm about to be talking about, then yeah, let me know in the comments whether you like the games that I'm talking about, dislike them, your reasons why, etc, etc. And while you're there, give the video a thumbs up, um, like and subscribe to the channel, etc, etc. Right, so that's Super Skill Pinball, the Star Trek version on the 11th of May, which is on the channel, and the solo game of Ramp It Up on the 18th, which is on the channel. Moving on, Carnegie. So on the third, Carnegie, Carnegie, uh, Carn Carnegie, however you want to pronounce it, I still don't really know how you pronounce it. Uh, I keep wanting to say Carnegie, or Carnegie, I but who knows, who knows. Um, anyway, on the 13th of May was Carnegie Day. Um, what happened is in the morning I got together on Board Game Arena with Def uh, from Australia uh, and Tom from up in Bristol and they taught me how to play the game in the morning. Then in the afternoon Ben came over and we did a two-player game in the afternoon where I basically taught Ben how to play. That was all preparation for the evening. So on the evening of Friday the 13th of May I did a full tutorial and playthrough of the three-player game uh, of Carnegie. In fact, if I just pronounce it differently for this entire video, then I will be sure to get it right. Um, so yeah, now, what do I think about the game? Now, many of you who follow me and my Patreon supporters on the Slack channel will know my feelings on this game. If you don't know my feelings on the game, let me start by saying my top four games of last year were Bitoku, Ark Nova, Imperial Steam and Boon Lake. And Carnegie is better than any of them, in my opinion. I think it's an absolutely fantastic game. I love it. I can't get enough of playing it. It's so good. And the reason why it's so good 
is it hits the absolute sweet spot for me on everything. It is the perfect weight complexity rating uh, of, of the game. It's, it's not too heavy, it's not too light, it fits just about in the right sweet spot. The playtime for the weight and the depth of the game is, is perfect. I think it flows with a really nice pace that doesn't feel like there's much downtime. The amount of uh, choices that you have to make in the game, important choices that really have an impact uh, on you. The long-term planning, the short-term planning, reacting to what the other people do. And there's a lot of player interaction. It's indirect player interaction, but a lot of this game is uh, working out what the other players are about to do next. Now, it's not guesswork. You're not just literally just trying to guess what the other players are doing. If Chris has just moved all of his employees into the research department, then I'm pretty sure that on his next turn, he's going to choose the research action. And you can take that into account. And you think, well, I'll move my employees into the research action, but now I'll choose the construction action because Chris doesn't have any employees in the construction area. So I'm going to choose that. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of other factors when choosing which action to take, but it's a really, really clever design. The designer, he's done loads of games, really good games. Palais Royale uh, is one of my top 10 most underrated games. I think it's an absolutely fantastic game. That was his first game. Uh, he did Carson City, which I know is really popular. I'm not, I, did, I played it once and I didn't quite get on with it, but uh, Twa, Black Angel, Ginkopolis, all of these other ones. Fantastic designer, really, really good. This is probably his best, in my opinion. And also, the graphic design and the artwork is perfect. Ian O'Toole is a master at his craft. I've worked with Ian a number of times, professionally, on a number of projects, but his graphic design for this game, and I'm giving Ian all the credit, it might not be all Ian, other people probably helped out as well, um, but it's just exceptional, to the point where there's lots of iconography in this game, but did I once, in any of my games, including the learning game, ever need to refer to the icon reference in the back of the rulebook? No, I didn't, because it's so clear, and it's so it makes just perfect sense. Um, so I, I, I love this game. Um, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I've played it, well, I played it three times on that day. Uh, I then took it to... Um, the Cranbrook Games Group Games Day on the 22nd of May, where I taught a group of people how to play and played it. And again, it was fantastic. And I've also played it about three or four times on Board Game Arena, including one game with Chris Inkow, which I have just finished this morning, literally 15 minutes before starting finishing this vlog. I just finished it and I lost 133 to 138. Congratulations, Chris. Um, and I really thought I had that game. I thought I was playing really well and it was all going really, really well. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> at the end, we totted up the final scores and he beat me by five points. But yeah, fantastic game. Um, I'm going to be playing this probably quite a lot over the next, well, over the rest of this year, maybe, because uh, it's currently my favourite game of the current time. Um, and I'm probably not going to talk about it in future videologues as much as I talk about this one. I'll just refer back to this video. But I'm keen on your thoughts. If you don't like Carnegie, let me know why. If it's because it's a dry, boring economic euro, then I totally get that. Personally, I don't, whilst the theme might be dry and light, um, I don't think it's boring in any way, shape or form because the amount of decisions that you have to make in the game, the impact of those decisions and the fact that you're watching what the other people are doing all of the time, that means it's not boring. I, I, I could not use the word boring at all. And I play dry, boring Euros, okay? This is not one of them. Anyway, that's Carnegie. That's the 13th of May. It's on the channel, uh, and the solo playthrough that I did is also on the channel, uh, which was on the 1st of June. 
So on the 1st of June, I was planning to play a solo game of Carnegie on the channel. However, I'd left the game at the Cranbrook Games Group. So I currently don't have the physical copy of the game. So I used Board Game Arena. The Board Game Arena implementation is by a guy called Dan. It's absolutely brilliant implementation of the game. In the solo playthrough, I did come across a bug, which he's now fixed. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in playing it, then it's on Board Game Arena. You can play it for free before uh, trying out, before buying the game if you want to. Uh, or if you just want to watch some of my playthroughs on the game, they're on the channel as well. Right, moving on. The 19th of May and the 21st of May and also the 28th of May, Batman Gotham City Chronicles. So I've played it three times in the last few weeks and all of this, well not all of this, but the first two games were because on the 21st of May I was filming what was going to be the tutorial and playthrough that was going to be used for the upcoming Kickstarter campaign, which has now finished. So I think it was yesterday the Kickstarter campaign has finished for Batman Gotham City Chronicles Season 3. But uh, for those who don't know, I've been working with Monolith for the last couple of years on the revised rulebook. Um, we've got a fly in the room. It's summer in the UK and we've got flies everywhere. Um, so I've been working with Monolith for the last couple of years on the new rulebook, uh, the new mission booklet, uh, player aids and everything else and I've been living and breathing this game for the last couple of years I've also for those of you who've seen my previous video logs will know that I'm gradually painting a lot of the miniatures for the game uh, and I've painted about 70 of them so far um, and I've still got quite a few to go but is this the kind of game that I actually like playing myself because ultimately what it is is a very complex tactical skirmish game set in the Batman universe now I'm a big fan of Marvel Marvel superheroes, the films and everything else. And whilst I love some of the DC films, uh, certainly the Christopher Nolan Batman series, but I'm not as big a DC fan as I am as a Marvel fan. Also, the game is, as I say, it's a combat game. It's a, it's a scenario-based, uh, tactical combat skirmish type game with a whole bunch of dice rolling. This is not the kind of game which I normally like playing. However, since working on the rulebook, I gained a level of respect for this game in terms of its design. Now, it's not without some... Uh, a lot of people have criticised the game for having too many different skills, icons are too similar, uh, the, the learning curve is massive, and I get all of that, and I'm not saying that that isn't true, but having been through that process of having learning the game, uh, and having to learn the game, because I've been working on the rulebook for it, it's kind of made me want to play it. Now, I have played it previously to these last few weeks, but the more I've played it, the more I've actually been enjoying it. So don't get me wrong, it is rolling lots of dice and there is a random element to it. And a lot of the missions are designed in such a way that the heroes can completely mess it up. If they don't know the game and they don't know the mission, they can completely mess it up. And some of the missions might come down to you know, a critical dice roll at the right time. And if that dice roll goes badly, then it's, it's effectively game over. I get all of that. But every time I've played this game, I've really enjoyed it. And thankfully for me, a number of local friends have also, who have been playing the game with me, they've been really enjoying it as well. So this is so far out of my Euro game wheelhouse, it's scary. But there is something about the game that keeps drawing me back in. Um, and it's not just because I worked on the rule book and therefore I feel I must like the game and it's not because I've painted all the miniatures and therefore I feel oh I now must play the game because trust me I have spent a lot of my life putting a lot of work into games like painting all of the miniatures but uh, when then I played the game and the game ends up being really disappointing this one I, we've had an absolute blast playing it so 
On the 19th of May, we got together, me, Peter and Paul, at the Cranbrook Gaming Group, and we played um, the scenario that we were going to be playing on the 21st, which was Major Gas Madness. Uh, and I didn't feel confident enough to go into the filming of the video on the 21st until we'd had a dry run. So that's what we did. So on the Thursday night, on the 19th, we got together and we played that scenario. Then, two days later, on the Saturday, Peter and Paul came round and we did the video. Now that video is on the channel now. If you want to see uh, a tutorial and playthrough of Batman Gotham City Chronicles, it's on the channel now. And I'd recommend going and checking it out if you have any interest in the game whatsoever, because my aim for that game was to produce the best tutorial and playthrough video for that game which is out there. Now, that's not to discredit anybody else who's made videos on the game, because I've watched quite a number of other people doing playthrough videos of it. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I did one which was um, accurate with, with regards to the rules and also uh, very informational. The idea was that you could watch that video going into the game knowing nothing about the rules of the game and I gradually explain the rules to you uh, over the course of the playthrough, which is why it's a three hour video. If we sat down and played the game, it would probably be about two hours, two and a quarter hours. But because we... Um, because I was teaching the, the rules as we went along, it did take a lot longer. So yeah, I've really come to love the game, and I look forward to playing it again. And in fact, um, on the 28th of May, I got together with Rick and we did another video. So this is also on the channel. This was a two-player game where we played an icy welcome. I was playing the villain, I was playing Mr. Freeze, uh, and all his various henchmen and goons, uh, and Rick was playing Batman. Now... This was also a fun video to do. Unfortunately, I did get a couple of rules wrong in that video. Uh, the first video I did, I think I got that absolutely spot on. I don't think I made any rules mistakes. But the second one that I did, in the heat of the moment, with it being a live playthrough, there are a couple of rules mistakes that I made, which is like silly because I know the rules. It's just when you're doing a live stream and I hadn't been sleeping well um, and I was a little bit tense and on edge and a bit nervous and everything else, and it was a live stream, I, I got a couple of the rules wrong. And I'm kicking myself because, hey, if, no, if, if anybody can do a rules video on Batman Gotham City Chronicles and get the rules right, it's me. And I went and got a couple of rules wrong. So anyway, that's on the channel now. Definitely need a rematch because uh, Mr. Freeze won that day and Rick definitely wants a rematch. So that's Batman Gotham City Chronicles. Next up, on the 20th of May, so this is actually between the first Batman game on the Thursday night and the one on the Saturday, I did Kedem's Dragons. Now, this is quite a special game. So Richard Breeze, uh, UK games designer who I've known now for quite a few years and become friends with, um, Richard's been designing games for over 20 years. He's done the key series of games. So the, the biggest one is Keyflower, but he's done Keeper, Cathedral, uh, Key to the City of London. There's, there's lots of them in the series. But back in 1998, Richard designed a game called Kedem, which is regarded as one of the first worker placement games. Now, Kedem got picked up by Rio Grande Games and Hans Im Gluck and republished as Aladdin's Dragons. A few tweaks, but obviously a re-theme as well. Um, what Richard has done, and this is actually on Kickstarter right now if you're interested, he's, he's gone back to the game, he's re-themed it back into the key universe and he's called it Kedem's Dragons. So it's kind of a mix between Kedem and Aladdin's Dragons, but it's actually, the game itself is pretty much the same as Aladdin's Dragons. Um, so if you already own Kedem, then this is a new version of the game. If you already own Aladdin's Dragons, 
There's not much different in this version. Um, but that is on Kickstarter right now. And because I'm friends with Richard, I wanted to help him with the Kickstarter and cover this game on the channel. So that is there. Now, for those of you that are fans of Richard's other games, like Keyflower and Keeper and everything else, Keydom's Dragons is definitely lighter. It's possibly even family plus level. Yeah, whereas games like Keyflower and Keeper are definitely not uh, family games. But this is sort of a bit a bit like that. There's a lot of um, design elements in it which are very reminiscent of games from 20 odd years ago. But it's when we played it, we enjoyed it. And uh, it's like it was I was I was pleasantly surprised by how going back to a game from that era and playing it again, it, it actually worked quite well. And there's nothing wrong with some of these older games. You know, a lot of people just move on and any game that's more than 10 years old is, is oh, no, it's too old now. We don't play that anymore. And, and I get it. There are certain games that I've got from 10, 15, 20 years ago that I think games have moved on since then and I won't play them anymore. But this one still, it, it was it was okay. This one doesn't have that problem. So anyway, that's on the channel now. Keydom's Dragons, the latest game from Richard Breeze and the Kickstarter is still running. Next up, uh, the games day that I mentioned. So the 22nd of May was games day at the Cranbrook Games Group. Uh, and I played three games that day. I played uh, Carnegie, uh, I played Bitoku, and I played For Sale Autorama. Now I've already spoken about Carnegie, Carnegie, however you want to pronounce it. Um, fantastic game. But then I played Bitoku. Now Bitoku is my favorite game from last year. I absolutely love the game. Um, and again, I, I understand the criticisms of it, and I say this every time. If you're watching this video and you think, oh, Bitoku, is that the one with the really, really messy board and the confusing iconography? I get that the board looks very, very busy, but as far as the game goes, I absolutely love the game. And I have no interest in the theme. I have no interest in the Japanese Studio Ghibli, Princess Monaco, no interest in that whatsoever. I play that game not because of the theme. I play the game because mechanically, I love the way it's put together and I love a lot of those interesting decisions in the game. So that's Bitoku. What's, in, what's funny about that day is I taught Bitoku from memory to some other people without referring to the rulebook once and got it absolutely spot on perfect. I also taught uh, Carnegie from memory, absolutely perfect teach, no issues whatsoever, never needed to refer to the rulebook. I then taught for sale Autorama and made a complete and utter mess of it because I thought, oh yeah, I know this game. And it, we, we had like like 45 minutes left at the end of the day. So I was like, oh, we'll get for sale Autorama out. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get that out. And I was like, right, okay, so in this game, you're trying to, you're trying to make money and you're, no, no, you're trying, to, you're trying to buy cars, that's it. And you've got to make money in order to buy cars. And I completely, and I thought, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get the rule book out because I don't actually remember this. Um, so yeah, it's not that I taught them the game wrong. It was during the teach, I realized I was trying to teach the game and I was like, actually, I don't actually remember this at all. Let's go back to the rule book. As soon as I went to the rule book, it all came back to me. And I was like, oh, right, yeah, okay. But it was just funny that I taught those two heavy games from memory, like perfectly, and then got completely messed up by For Sale. So For Sale Autorama is the new version from Eagle Griffin Games, artwork by Quenchai Maria, and it rethemes the game into buying and selling cars rather than houses but it includes the extra round now the extra round was originally published as a standalone expansion uh, called the advisors i believe and for sale autorama includes that expansion so if you know for sale if you don't know for sale let me explain it the original for sale is two rounds in the first round of the game you are using your cards 
to buy houses. And then in the second round of the game, you are selling those houses to make money. And it's the player with the most money who wins. In For Sale Autorama, the second round is buying cars. And the third round is selling the cars for money. But the first round is advisors. So what you do is you're actually using your cash on hand to buy the advisors. Then in the second round, you use the advisors to buy the cards. And then in the third round, you sell the cars for money. Um, and a lot of people have said that that extra round is, is not needed. Personally, I liked it. But if I was playing for sale with families, I would just use rounds two and three. Now, that's not included in the rule book as an option, but there's no reason why you can't do that. You just skip round one and use your money to buy the actual cars, which you then sell in round three or round two. So that's for sale Autorama. Next up, 26th of May and then the 27th of May is Septima. Septima is a new game coming soon from Mind Clash Games. The Kickstarter is going live this week. So uh, this video is being recorded on Sunday the 12th of June. It will probably go live on the 13th of June. And on the 16th of June, the Septima Kickstarter goes live. Now, uh, I have a professional working relationship with Mind Clash and I, I cover their games and I do some other work for them as well. Um, and Septima is, is no exception. So on the 12th of June, no, that's today. <laughs> what day is it? Um, the 26th of May, that's it, the 26th of May. I learned how to play the game from reading the draft rulebook that they sent me and I hosted a uh, game using Tabletop Simulator. So this is not publicly available. I think it will be during the campaign, but Mind Clash Games created a Tabletop Simulator mod for the game so that people like myself could play it and they could do all sorts of playtesting with it. So I learned how to play it on the, on the 26th of May using Tabletop Simulator and then on the 27th of May we did an actual playthrough. Now, that, that playthrough video was filmed. I, I was given permission to stream it live to patron supporters. So if you're a patron supporter of mine, you might have already watched that playthrough video. I have since taken the video down, edited it. It's ready to go for the launch of the Kickstarter this week. So Septima, new game coming from Mind Clash Games, was advertised as their most accessible game yet. If you are expecting something which is lighter, than Trickerian and Anachronian Perseverance. It probably is, but don't expect it to be that much lighter. This is still a Mind Clash game. Mind Clash Games game. It's got Mind Clash Games through it, through and through. It's got it in its DNA. It's a completely different designer, a guy called Robert. Uh, so totally different designer, but the actual game itself feels like a Mind Clash Games game when you're playing it. It's very clever, it's very interesting, the playthrough video is going live on the channel this week. It was a sponsored video, so I can't really give you my opinion about the game, but I can tell you the theme of the game is, is quite cool. Uh, and you're running this witch coven, and you're trying to travel around the board, collecting these ingredients and healing the sick people, which all sounds very good and honourable. Uh, and you will get points for doing that, and you will gain other things as well. But ultimately, you're a witch, and witches are frowned upon. So you've got you've to be very, very careful about what you do. And it uses the system where each player has a series of action cards and each round, each turn of the game or round of the game, you will choose one of those action cards and put it face down and then all of the action cards will be revealed. If two players play the same action card, they will get a bonus um, printed on the card itself, but their suspicion will go up because the witch hunters are keeping an eye out on people. And if you do the same action as somebody else, even healing patients or brewing potions, um, then your suspicion is going to go up. And the suspicion is something that you have to keep into account because you have to take into account every time you do something 
if your suspicion goes up on a turn, the witch hunters might come and get you. So you've got to, you've got to be very careful about where you move to, managing your level of suspicion and, and everything else. Anyway, yeah, as I say, the video is going live on the channel this week if you're interested and the Kickstarter goes live this week as well. So I was very happy to have covered that on the channel. That was the 26th of May and the 27th of May. Also on the 27th of May, I did a tutorial and playthrough video for Amygdala. Now Amygdala is also going live on Kickstarter this week, but unlike Septima, um, I'd agreed to do this video live. So that video is already live on the channel now. It was on the Friday evening, the 27th of May, but if you want to go and see it, you can. And Amygdala is the latest game from Game Brewer, uh, designed by Michael Kiesling and Wolfgang Kramer. So it's a Kramer-Kiesling game, uh, and it's, it's an abstract game. The theme of the game is all to do with... Amygdala is the part of the brain which deals with uh, happiness, I believe, and emotions. But you've got an extremely colourful board, and you are basically trying to move around the board, collect these resources which you used to get these emotions, you put the emotions on the board which get you points. So yeah, it's a completely abstract game, but it is very clever and it is very thinky. And I went into the game thinking, oh, this is like a five minute teach and maybe maybe the game might take about an hour. And the game took us about two hours to play. Now, it was our first game and we were learning the sort of skill and the strategy in the game as we were playing, but it definitely caught us out because I think a lot of us went into it thinking it was gonna be a little bit light and fluffy and it's a thinky game. So if you want your thinky abstract games, then then definitely check out this one. Um, after a couple of people had gone home, John, who was on both of the videos in the afternoon, was staying over and heading back home the next day. And it was too late to go. It was too early to go to bed. It was only like 10 o'clock. So we thought, I'll tell you what, let's play, let's play some games. So we got out Codenames Duet and we live streamed it to Patreon supporters. So if you're interested in seeing me and John playing Codenames Duet late at night, um, then that video is on the channel, but it's, it's an unlisted video, so the link was posted to the Slack channel. Um, and now I've not played Codenames Duet for a long time, uh, and John has not played Codenames Duet at all. Um, and it's fantastic. Codenames Duet is probably my favourite of the Codenames games. I love the cooperative element, I love the way it works, and it's got a few extra layers to it which Codenames doesn't have. Um, so for those who don't know, it's a cooperative version of Codenames where you get the key card, so you know which ones are agents on your side of the card, but on the other side of the card there's also some agents. And it's not just two randomly assigned sides of the cards. There's a connection between the two, and it's working out what that connection is that, that's very clever. So that was a lot of fun. Then on the 31st of May, a very, very sad day uh, in, in gaming history. So. In 1982 or 1983, I can't remember exactly when it was, uh, a young boy by the name of Paul Grogan uh, was on holiday with his parents in a caravan somewhere. I don't, I don't even remember where it was. Um, it might have been somewhere in the south of England. It might have been Wales. I don't know. All I know is I was on holiday with my parents in a caravan and we went into a game store because at that point... I just got Warlock of Fartop Mountain and I was starting to play D&D. So we, we found a game store in the town where near where we were on holiday and we found a game called Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I, uh, I have always been a fan of Sherlock Holmes ever since I was a kid. So we bought Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Now I've spoken about this game a lot over my entire life, but Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is a groundbreaking game that I absolutely love. 
Um, it was picked up and a new version uh, by Space Cowboys who ended up releasing four boxes. So there's the brown box, which is box one, the blue box, which is box two, red box, box three, and the green box is box four. On the 31st of May, we finished the final case in the blue box, and that's it. I've now done all of the cases in all of the boxes. And that's why it's a sad day, because as far as I know, there are no more Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective games planned. There is the new one, Bureau of Investigation, which is sort of Cthulhu-themed, but as far as the Sherlock Holmes games goes, there's no plans to do any more at the moment, which is really sad. Uh, and we've now finished it. So it's taken me 40 years <laughs> to do. Um, but yeah, we have done the final case. Uh, it was a tough case. So it was actually case seven of the blue box that we did. Now you might think, well, if there's 10 cases in a box, why did we do case seven last? It's because cases eight, nine, and 10 from the blue box is the Queen's Park affair. So it's actually a separate standalone story. Uh, cases one to seven are your traditional, um, yeah, standalone cases. So case seven was the last one we did and it was a tough one. We actually didn't get, normally we get most of the questions right. In this one, we got a couple of the questions wrong, like who murdered him? Um, yeah, I think we got that actually wrong, but it was a very, very clever case. The story was really good. It was very interesting in the way that it was all put together and the way that it all works. It was just tough. And it actually said at the start, it said, warning, this case might take you longer than normal to do because there was a lot of places to go. There was a lot of information, but it was a good story. So anyway, that is it. We are now done with Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, except for... So I was speaking to Francois from Space Cowboys at UK Games Expo. And I said, we're all now done. We've done all 40 cases. And he said, oh, so you're not done then? I said, no, 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 we're, we're done. We've done all of the boxes. And he said, but you said you've done 40 cases. And I said, yeah. He said, so you haven't done the extra one yet? And I was like, oh, yeah. He reminded me of the extra one. So I don't want to give any spoilers away, but let's just say that in one of those boxes, green, there is a hidden 11th case and we've not done that yet. So maybe it's not a sad day. Maybe we will get round to doing the 11th case at some point. Right, moving on, uh, UK Games Expo. Now I'm gonna talk about UK Games Expo uh, as, as an event later on in this video, but I just wanna talk about the games that I played at Expo, which is not many because I don't go to Expo to play games. I go to Expo to uh, do some demo work, uh, meet clients and socialise and things like that. So I did play a few games, but not many. First of all, I played a game on the Thursday night called Anomia. This is a very little box card game and it's a word game. And we were basically stuck for something to do. We didn't have very long. So somebody dug out this game and I thought, okay, it's a, it's a silly, fun word game. We haven't got anything else. We were actually going to play Mini Rails. But unfortunately, Louisa's copy of Mini Rails that she bought second hand was missing the red counters, so we couldn't play Mini Rails. So we put that away and we got out this Anomia as well, instead. Now, it's a, it's a silly fun party style game, but it's actually quite clever in the way that it works. Um, basically, everybody that all of the cards in the game have a, a symbol on and some kind of um, thing that you're supposed to describe. So, so a card might have an apple on it and the text might be TV show. Now there's no relation to that. The cards have got, all of the cards in the deck have one of six different symbols on uh, and they've each got a unique thing that you need to describe. So like TV show or fruit or, or whatever. 
And what happens is the cards get dealt out around the table and then each turn you take a card, you put it on top of your deck. And if at any point the symbols match, then the two players with the matching symbols has to shout out a thing based on the other card. So, for example, if I, if I draw the card Apple TV show and you've got a card with an apple and a fruit, fruit is a bad example, apple and politician, then I've got to shout out politi a, a politician and you've got to shout out a TV show and the first person to get it wins the point. And that sounds really simple and that's how the game goes until you realise that if you win somebody else's card, that removes the card from the top of their deck, revealing another card which might cause a chain reaction. Anyway, it was actually quite good fun. It is a game that I probably won't own myself, but it is a game that I would say yes to if in the right mood. It is definitely more along the the fun party game rather than your thinky party game, such as code names or letter jam or anything else. Right. Uh, on the third of June, um, I visited the Queen Games booth, went to see Russell at UK Games Expo. Russell runs the Queen Games booth at UK Games Expo, uh, and I'd pre-arranged to meet up and do a, a game of Old London Bridge with patron supporters. Now, theoretically, I already know how to play Old London Bridge because I've covered it on the channel, but by then I'd pretty much forgotten most of it. So I put a post out to my patron supporters and said, anybody want to come and play Old London Bridge with me at the Queen booth on the Friday afternoon, three o'clock, done. And, and, and we played it. Now, it didn't take me long to relearn how to play the game, and thankfully, a couple of the people had already watched my video on it, so they knew how to play more than me, and it was pretty much just playing the game. Old London Bridge, I quite like, because it's a, it's a five-minute teach, and it's a half-hour game, and it fits into the... It's not quite a filler, but it's a little bit more than a filler, but it's got some interesting decisions in it, and for a game of that length and complexity, there's definitely a place in my collection for that game. Um, as I say, not too light. Well, no, it is quite light, but it's not super light. It's not super light, uh, and it's not not super short. So yeah, if you've got half an hour free at the end of the night, Old London Bridge might be the kind of game that I would get out. On the fourth of June, on the Saturday, I got a demo of Oathsworn into into the Deepwood. Now I worked professionally on Oathsworn on the rulebook for it like a couple of years ago, but I never saw the project through to the end um, because of various other factors that got in the way. Um, and I've been supporting Jamie and his struggle to get this game published. It was really exciting to see the final version of the game and the final copy of the game. Uh, and there it was. And Jamie did a quick half hour demo for us and then we had a chat with him uh, afterwards. So I didn't log that play on BoardGameGeek because it was literally just a, a one round scripted demo just to show you how the game plays. But I am very much looking forward to getting Oathsworn uh, later this year and hopefully covering it on the channel. And then on the 4th of June, I did a few games of just one at a charity event that I'm running. Now, I'll talk, I ran. I'll talk about this in my UK Games Expo bit, but it is a game that I played at Expo. We did a number of rounds of just one, and it was a lot of fun. Right, after Expo, while recovering, because I was very, very tired, I found out that Memoir 44 was on Board Game Arena. Now, Memoir 44 is a very, very dice-heavy game. Okay, now I like World War II themed games and I like my war games to be hex based um, because then you don't have any measuring of distances. And Memoir 44 is one of the classic dice based, very sort of light themed um, World War II game. And I quite like it. So it's on Board Game Arena and I played a couple of games of it, of it with Ian Haywood. 
And I, I like the system. I've played Memoir 44, I've played Battle Law 2nd Edition, and I've played Red Alert Space Fleet Warfare. Battle Law 2nd Edition is probably my favourite one. There are significant tweaks to each one, um, and I, I very much prefer the Battle Law system, where it's not just about eliminating your opponents, it's actually about achieving the objectives of the scenario, whereas Red Alert Space Fleet Warfare is purely down to just blowing up your opponent. Uh, and Memoir 44, you get points for blowing up your opponents and capturing objectives. So yeah, it's on Board Game Arena. I do fancy playing a bit more of it just because it's nice and light and accessible, even though, yeah, it's got dice in it and sometimes those dice can really not go well. Um, on the 7th of June and also yesterday, not yesterday, what day is it? Sunday, Friday, uh, So Clover. Now, So Clover I spoke about on the previous video log because I learned how to play it at Baycon this year uh, and I brought a copy back home from UK Games Expo and I sat down and me and Vicky played a couple of rounds of it. Basically, it's not supposed to work at two player. The game is advertised for three to six, but we played it at two and it was just fine. I did one clover for her. She did one clover for me. We tried to guess each other's and it was fun. So if you've got a copy of So Clover and even though it says three to six on the box, doesn't need doesn't need three to six players. You can play it with two. It's absolutely fine. So it's a great little couples thing to do after dinner you each do one for each other. Takes five minutes. It's good fun. Really, really like So Clover. Um, and I played it again on Friday. So after we'd done uh, the games of Star, the afternoon game of Star Wars Outer Rim on Friday, we went downstairs. We had 15 minutes before dinner was ready. So we played a couple of rounds of So Clover. And yeah, it's just just a really, really good game. Uh, speaking of fun party games that are clever, So Clover is is another game of choice for me. On the 8th of June. Gloomhaven Digital Jaws of the Lion. This is on on the on the on the channel now, uh, and I I always class my plays of Gloomhaven Digital as plays of Gloomhaven because it's a direct conversion of the board game. And on the eighth of June, me Ben, not Ben, me Brett and uh, John got together and we did Scenario One from Jaws of the Lion. Now this was a little bit of a surprise to me because I was expecting to go into this digital version and play Scenario One which was exactly the same as Scenario 1 from Jaws of the Lion. But it's not. Theme-wise and story-wise, it is exactly the same. But what they've done is they've changed that scenario. Uh, you're still fighting a bunch of vermlings, and you're still trying to find the, blacksmiths, um, the blacksmith, but they've turned it into an actual proper scenario. And the reason for that is Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, as a physical board game product, you will buy it potentially as an introduction to Gloomhaven. Therefore, the first scenario is a learning scenario which gets you started with simple rules. But Jaws of the Lion for the digital version is DLC. So you've already got Gloomhaven, the digital game, and you've already played it a whole bunch before you enable the Jaws of the Lion DLC. So therefore, if they made a scenario which was a direct copy of the board game, it wouldn't work. It would just be, oh, wait a minute, we've just played this. It's only taken 20 minutes, and it's yeah, that's not even a game. Um, so what they've done is they've, as I say, they've kept the, the story, they've kept the theme, they've kept all the monsters, but they've turned it into a proper scenario. So the original plan was to play maybe two, three scenarios that night. We played one because uh, it took us about an hour and three quarters. But it was a great game. It was really good fun. Um, and I love playing Gloomhaven Digital. One of these days, like I say, every month, I'm just going to take a week off work and I'm just going to play Gloomhaven Digital for eight hours a day. I'd love to do that. I can't do that, but I would love to do it because it's such, such a good game. Um, and the more and more people now, I'm, I, I spoke to a load of people at Expo 
and we were talking about Gloomhaven and they said, oh yeah, we, we don't play the physical version anymore. The digital version is so good and so well done, we just play the digital version now. And you can meet up with friends and play remotely rather than them having to come around your house and everything else. And it's just, yeah, really good. Next up, and I've already mentioned this, but Star Wars Outer Rim. Star Wars Outer Rim came out three years ago. I love Star Wars Outer Rim. It is my favourite Star Wars themed game. And I've played a lot of Star Wars themed games and there's a lot of really good ones, but Outer Rim for me is the best. There's so much about this game that I absolutely love. And popular opinion of the game is that it needs an expansion set. The game is unplayable without an expansion set. And I'm like, oh. And I know people think, I, I, a lot of people have said that over the years. And some people have actually sold their copy of the game because they were waiting for an expansion set and no expansion set was coming. Now, whilst I think an expansion set for the game would be nice, I personally am in the minority of people that think the game was absolutely fine without an expansion set. I've played it a whole bunch of times. Sure, you've got repetition with certain things, but the game is just so enjoyable to play, I have no problem with that. It's like Too Many Bones. Too Many Bones, you get all of these encounter cards, you play it a whole bunch of times, you're going to see the same encounter cards over and over again. That's the game. That's how it is. Does that mean every game plays out exactly the same? No. Every game of Star Wars Outer Rim will play out differently. The fact that the decks have a limited number of cards, it wasn't a problem for me. Anyway, finally an expansion set got announced. Three years after the base game came out, I was super excited about it. And I came home from UK Games Expo with a copy of the expansion. Thank you very much, John from Asmodee, for getting that to me. And on Friday, just gone two days ago, we played it. So what I did is I spent the afternoon and I did a live stream. This was for patron supporters only. I did a live stream of me teaching Arthur and Peter how to play the base game of Star Wars Outer Rim. And then in the evening, this is on the channel. This is a public video on the channel. We did, we did Star Wars Outer Rim with the expansion set. So the afternoon game was just the base game. And then in the evening, we played the expansion set. Does the expansion set make the game better? Yes. Two main reasons. First of all, yes, it gives you more variety with the cards, so it isn't always the same cards coming out each time. That's good. More variety is always good. But the other part of the game we absolutely love are the favours. And if you really wanted to, you could include these favours with the base game if you don't own the expansion, because once per turn you can ask a favour of another player. They can either give you plus one to your uh, hyperdrive, making your ship move faster. The thematically, it's, it's a shortcut, but what it does is it means your ship can move one faster. You can gain a skill that you don't have for a turn. You can get um, one extra dice in a combat, I think. Something like that. Um, and there's something... Oh, you can get reputation. What this does is it increases the amount of player interaction into the game in the game to a very, very thematic level. And it works really, really well. So basically... The game could be could be classed as sort of multiplayer solitaire. You're all travelling around the galaxy doing your own thing, but there is some player interaction in that you can trade things with each other. So if you've got a job which requires the knowledge skill, and I've got a droid on my ship with the knowledge skill, well, you could come to my space and I could sell you that droid, or we could agree on terms and we could barter and I could take your HPL-57 grenade launcher in exchange for this droid or whatever. So there is some player interaction in the game. But with these new favour rules... The way that they work is fantastic because you don't have to be in the same space. I can basically say, oh, wait a minute. I, I need to move eight spaces to get to that planet and my ship only goes seven. So I'll ring Han Solo, all right, Han? Yeah, 
Can you get tell me a shortcut to get to Naboo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take a left at, at McDonald's. Right, okay. Um, and basically, I can pay him some money or owe him a future favour or whatever to get a one-off bonus for the turn. And it just makes the game a lot more interactive between the players. Um, it's a fantastic rule. So yeah, Star Wars Outer Rim with the expansion. Brilliant. Absolutely loved it. Great day. And I have to say a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters because that was not a sponsored video. So basically, I took the entire day off work in order to produce content for you to watch. Um, and I'm only able to do that thanks to the support of the Patreon campaign. And when I get to do it for a game that I really enjoy playing, Friday, for me, I earn no money on Friday. Um, and all of my advertising revenue goes to charity as well. So you might think, oh, Paul, Paul's saying he doesn't get any money from it, but surely he got money from all of the views on the video. No, all of my advertising revenue goes to charity. So I didn't earn a penny on Friday. Um, and that's absolutely fine. And I have no problem with that. And I'm very happy about that because the Patreon support allows me to take the occasional day like that and do something that was fun and enjoyable. And that was much needed. So yeah, Star Wars Outer Rim with the expansion, brilliant. And that is everything, I think. Yeah, that is everything. So, whew, let's have a drink. Other content. Other things that I've covered on the channel this month. Well, in the last few weeks. I did an unboxing video of Star Wars Outer Rim expansion. Also, yesterday morning, I did an unboxing video for Endless Winter. My production copy of Endless Winter arrived because I'm going to be producing some videos on the game. So I got an, I got an advanced copy in order to be able to do that. Uh, and I did an unboxing video of that. It's a 45-minute unboxing video because we unboxed everything. The base game, all of the expansions, talked about it. Yeah, so that was yesterday morning. Uh, and I also covered a computer game called Wolves on the West Wind, uh, which is a very, very narrative-heavy game. Now, somebody did leave me a comment on the video and said this is not really even a game, um, and, and I, I, I get that. It was very, very much a narrative experience with the occasional choice. There was nothing else going on in the game. So it's not a game that I'm going to go back to. Um, I thought the writing was quite good. I thought the story was quite good, but there wasn't, air, there, there, there wasn't the depth in the game. I was expecting there to be a little bit of that and then there would be something where I get to explore or fight monsters or something else and it wasn't it was just continual narrative stuff so if you like your narrative based games which are purely narrative games then go and check out that video uh, if you're interested in that um, but yeah it's not one that I'll be going back to okay right moving on to UK Games Expo this year was the first year that I've been since 2019 because it wasn't on in 2020 for obvious reasons and then it I didn't go last year now, this year, UK Games Expo was very different for me for a number of reasons. Um, for those who don't know, I have run the booth for Czech Games Edition at UK Games Expo for about the last eight years. So when we first moved to the Hilton Hotel, I had a booth there and I was demoing for CGE. I say a booth, it was a table uh, at the end of Games Law. And then when we moved to the, uh, to the actual NEC, which was, I think, four or five years ago, we uh, Czech Games Edition had a proper booth and I organised all of that. So I booked the walls, the carpets, organised the demo team, the banners, everything. Basically did all of that stuff and that is something which I've decided to step uh, away from and this year was the year where I have handed responsibility over to CGE for doing all of that stuff. And they did all of that. Um, I did agree to do some demoing for them but other than that I had no involvement with anything else um, 
So Adam Richards picked me up on the Thursday. Thank you very much, Adam. But Adam was driving past my house on his way to Expo on the Thursday. So Adam picked me up on the way. Uh, and it took us about two and three quarter hours to get there from, from where I live. Um, and we just chatted all the way there. So that was, that was nice. Then I got there, checked into the hotel uh, and met, met with Hilmar. Uh, and then we took a walk into the NEC. At that point, the booth that CGE had should have been set up. The walls should have been there, the table should have been there, and we should have been setting up games and putting everything away. They weren't. So there were big, big problems this year with the setup day in that a lot of publishers, their booths were not set up correctly or even at all. So by the time I left there, about 5, 5.30ish, something like that, to go to the press preview event, um, the booth still hadn't been set up. Now, they did get it sorted in the evening, but uh, yeah, the, the organisation of the, the setting of up of things, I mean, it wasn't the fault of UK Games Expo, it was the fault of the third party company. And I spoke to various people from the UK GE team over the weekend, and they are fully aware of all of the issues on the Thursday with the setup day. I hope they fix it for next year, because that's not a good position to be in. Anyway, the Thursday night was the press preview event, and this year, I'm on the other side of the table. So in every other year that there's been a press preview event, I have been behind the table for CGE and all the members of the press would be coming by and you would be showing them the, the games that you've got. It's a way for members of the press to see the things um, without having to then walk around the halls. They've got like direct access to it. Uh, and this is the first year where I was on the other side of the table. So I was a member of press. Uh, and I was walking up and down and having a look at things and chatting to people. Um, and it, 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 was, it was nice to see people again. I didn't get to see as much as I wanted to at the press preview because I ended up just getting distracted and chatting to Pete from Rebellion Inc. for like 15 minutes. Thursday night, as I say, I went into the open gaming area uh, and played, played that light game. Then Friday, Saturday, Sunday for me was demoing. So I demoed in the mornings for CGE and I was off in the afternoons. Now, CGE wanted me to demo the new Galaxy Trucker version. I personally would have wanted to demo Lost Ruins of Arnak, because I think Lost Ruins of Arnak's a fantastic game, um, but they wanted me to do Galaxy Trucker. Now, I do enjoy Galaxy Trucker, um, not as much as Arnak, but I do enjoy it. Then, apart from a couple of other games, Friday night there was a networking event that um, the UK Games Expo organizers had invited me to as a guest speaker. And I did a, a short 15 minute talk on why rule books are important. So not, um, not how to write a good rule book, just a 15 minute talk on why rule books are important. I was really nervous about this because standing in front of a group of people, which is a mix of industry people um, and other, other people in the hobby and, and presenting something and giving a talk. So I was very nervous about it, but I think it went well. And I basically covered what I felt were the five main bullet points of why you need a good rulebook and the impact it has on the game if you don't have a good rulebook. Um, and, I, and I just hope at least one person came away from that and thought, oh yeah, maybe we should spend a bit more time on our rulebooks. Hopefully. Um, on the Saturday evening, I hosted a charity event. So Saturday evening, um, I did a game of just one for charity. UK Games Expo gave me a room uh, with 100 seats and I was able to sell 100 tickets. Now, thankfully, the event did sell out. So we made 500 pounds for charity. So a big, big thank you to everybody who came to the event, uh, not just to support me, but to obviously raise money for charity. I didn't make any money out of it myself, um, but it's something that I wanted to do just to, well, just to try and raise a bit of money for charity really, and to try and do something good. 
Um, as it was, it was a lot of fun. It went really well. Very, very happy with how the evening went. And I have to say a huge thank you to Asmodee UK, Czech Games Edition, uh, and to Osprey Games, because what they did is they gave me some prizes, they gave me some games to give away to people at the event. So I, I hosted the event. It was a £5 to buy a ticket. Um, but during that event, everybody who was there got a raffle ticket and we had 16 prizes to give away. So yeah, a big thank you to everybody who came to the event, but also a big thank you to yeah, Asmodee, uh, Czech Games Edition and Osprey Games for giving me those games to give away at the event. Um, yeah, it was quite it was quite humbling in a way to put myself through the pressure of organising that event, uh, being worried by the initial slow ticket sales, the personal responsibility for trying to, um, you know, advertise the event and everything else, to then running it, and it just it just went really well, and it was a lot of fun. It, it that the main thing is, it went smoothly. It was a lot of fun, and it was great. Straight after that, we did a Patreon meetup. Now, if you're a Patreon supporter of mine, and you were at UK Games Expo, but you didn't come to the Patreon meetup, then please next year come to the Patreon meetup because it was possibly the best time I had all weekend. Meeting up with you who support me, you know, I can't do what I do without your support. So you don't know how thankful I am. Um, and on the Saturday night, after the Just One event, and I know a lot of you had already gone home, so that's, that's, that's fine. And you would have been there if you hadn't have gone home, hopefully. Um, but there were a number of patron supporters who, there, uh, who got caught up in games and weren't able to make it. And there were some other patron supporters who probably didn't realise that it was an open invite and it, it was an open invite and basically we spent two hours we just sat around and we just chatted and it was great and we went through we went around everybody in a circle and we talked about various things and how people first met me and got to know me and what was the first video they watched of mine and it was just a real that was humbling as well that was really really nice and i felt the most comfortable there than i'd felt almost anywhere else over the weekend and that was really really nice to me so thank you very much to everybody who who made that evening quite special. And I have to just say one thing. If you are a patron supporter and you felt you were at UK Games of Expo, but you felt that you didn't know enough people to come along to the Patreon meetup, please come next year because there were a group of people at that Patreon meetup who didn't know anybody else there. But at the meetup, introduced them to other people and then they got to know each other and everything else. So yeah, it, it all worked out in the end. Um, but yeah, if you're nervous about coming along and either meeting me or if you've got the impression that, oh, all of these other people are good friends with each other and you'd be intruding, it's not like that at all. These people are good friends with each other because they met through the Patreon channel and became friends with each other. So yeah, that's, that's there. We'll do the same meetup next year. Um, the Sunday was a relatively easy day. I did, I did a few hours demoing in the morning and then I had a pretty easy day where I just wandered around. Uh, and chatted with various people and met up with people and, and that was nice. And then got a lift back uh, with Stephen Cooper. So thank you very much, Stephen, for the lift back. Now, there's a couple of things about UK Games Expo that I wanted to talk about because, as I mentioned, this is the first year where I haven't been running the booth. I haven't been organising the booth. I wasn't responsible for the booth. And in the last six or so, seven years, it's been a lot of stress. Um, and it's been hard work and I've been run ragged and I haven't had any time to eat. I've just stuffed my face with a sandwich and then I've been rushing onto another thing and then rushing onto another thing after that. And it's been absolutely non-stop manic. 
This year wasn't anything like that at all. This year I did the three hours of demoing in the morning, which was just demoing, and I'm, I like that, and that was good. And then the rest of the time was mostly free. Now I had a couple of demos booked in and things like that, and a, a number of people that I wanted to go and see and chat to. I spent most of my time just going around chatting to people. But I had quite a lot of downtime. And I have to say, I felt lost. I've never experienced this before at a convention that I actually had an hour here and an hour there and an hour there to just wander around the halls, wander around the booths, and I felt uncomfortable because it was not something that I'm used to. Um, and I'm hoping that next time I go, it isn't like that. Um, but yeah, I was wandering around quite a lot of the time on my own, wandering around booths. And the great thing with UK Games Expo, or one of the great things with UK Games Expo, is it covers a wide variety of the gaming hobby. So it's not just board games. There's role-playing games there. There's books there. There's scenery there. There's painting stuff there. There's a little bit of CCG stuff there. There's, there's a bit of everything. The downside for me is when I was walking up and down those halls, up and down the, the aisles in the halls, most of the booths were of no interest to me at all. Uh, and it's just a personal feeling that I had. It's like, well, there's a role-playing product, right? Not interested in that. There's, there's somebody selling scenery for, for war, not interested in that. There's another role-playing product. There's somebody selling books, not interested in that. Oh, there's a board game stall. Right, okay, but it's somebody selling board games. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. And I ended up walking around most of Hall 1 thinking, yeah, I'm not really interested in any of this stuff. And as it was, I wasn't really in a position to be able to think, oh, yeah, that, that looks interesting. I'll sit down and get a demo of it. So for the whole weekend, everybody kept asking me, oh, what have you seen? What have you got a demo of? What, what games are you look, looking forward to bringing back? Which, which None. None of them. I mean, yes, I came back with a copy of Star Wars Outer Rim expansion, but I didn't go there as a regular punter to go there, try out games, buy them and bring them back. I don't do that anymore. And it's really weird because it, part, it makes me feel, as I say, I'm still working out where I fit in the hobby. And the fact that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I would be going to these events. And every year when I go to Essen, I try out all of these games and I buy loads of games and I come back with loads of games. The fact that I went to Expo and everybody I knew was doing that and I wasn't doing that. And it's like, well, why am I not doing that? Well, there's Sniper Elite. Would I have got a demo of Sniper Elite? Yes. Would I have possibly come home with a copy? Yes. If I didn't already have a copy and I was covering it on the channel next week. Okay, Star Wars Outer Rim expansion. Yes, come back with a copy of that. So Clover came, came back with a copy of that. But it wasn't an event where I... I mean, I didn't even go to the Bring and Buy either. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but it was just a weird feeling. Um, there was also something else that made me feel very uncomfortable. Over the last few years, um, there's been a few people who have been less than kind towards me in various ways. Um, and unfortunately, seeing those people again would re-trigger a lot of the anxiety that those people caused. And that's not something I've ever experienced before. But in those few times where I was walking around the halls on my own, occasionally I would glance somebody who, as I say, I've not had a falling out with them. They were just very, very nasty towards me um, and caused me a lot of anxiety issues. And I can't get away from it. 
unless I decide to stay at home like a hermit and never go out, I am going to see some of these people at these events in future. So whilst a lot of Expo was very, very positive, seeing people who I haven't seen for a long time, people who I would class as friends, um, you know, current patron supporters, former patron supporters, uh, bumping into Susie and Debs again and having a chat with them, not seeing them in three years. Fantastic, really, really good to do that sort of stuff. There's also, for people like me, uh, there is also a lot of the anxiety about seeing certain people and things like that. So yeah, it's just one of those things. Maybe I will try to limit next year the amount of time that I spend on my own so that I've always got a safety net. Anyway, that's UK Games Expo. Next up, Patreon update. So as I mentioned earlier on, uh, this video and a lot of the other content that I create is only made possible thanks to the support of the Patreon. In fact, this entire last week, all of the videos that I've made have been funded through Patreon. So Gloomhaven Digital Playthroughs, the unboxing videos, the Star Wars Outer Rim videos, I think I've done another one, this video, none of these are paid for in any way, shape or form. It's all funded through Patreon. So yeah, always a huge thank you to all of my Patreon supporters, not just the new supporters, but the ones who have stuck with me. Right now, as of this morning, we are currently 825 Patreon supporters, which is actually seven up on the last video log. Now, it's interesting because I'd planned to film this video log last week, and if I had have filmed it last week, there was only 819 supporters, and there's now 825. It's been a good few days. The last few days have actually been really good for the Patreon campaign. I think I've had four new people, and two people whose membership has lapsed uh, have updated their card details and have resubscribed. So yeah, the last few days have been good. 825 patron supporters, fantastic. People ask me what my next goal is, because I, I had this big goal at the end of last year to get to 800 supporters, and I was really trying to push for 800 supporters, because I felt that that was a... When I announced that I was stepping back from rulebook work in October of last year, or November of last year, um, that's gonna cause a financial impact, well, it already has, because I'm hardly doing any rulebook work now, but the financial impact of me giving up that part of my job uh, meant that I kind of wanted to push the Patreon a bit, but now that I'm at 800 supporters, people say, oh, what's the next goal? Is it 900? Is it 1,000? I don't have any more goals. I felt that pushing for 800 was something that I wanted to do. I'm very happy with the Patreon support as it is. Obviously, I'm always happy for any more Patreon support, but it's not something I'm gonna be pushing for. Um, so yeah, big thank you to everybody. On screen now is a list of all of the new supporters that I got in May 2022. Now, if your name is not on this list and you think, well, why is my name not on this list? I, I've just started supporting Paul. If you've been supporting me since the 1st of June, you will appear on next month's video log. So this is all of the new supporters for the month of May 2022. So again, big thank you to all of you, but also a big thank you to everybody who's who stuck with me. Now let's just talk about the Patreon support and the sponsored videos because I'm still not at the balance level that I want to be. Now last month, May, I did, as far as I'm concerned, too many sponsored videos. Um, and the reason why I say it's too many, that's for two reasons. First of all, a sponsored video comes with it uh, a lot more work and a lot more stress. Stress, uh, yeah, not really stress, but well, I suppose it is stress because I take on too much. So when I'm doing a sponsored video, uh, I have to practice it, learn it. I, may, I have to make sure everything is right. I have to yeah, learn the game, practice teaching the game, do all of that 
in order to be able to create the video. And I was doing, I did too many in May. And the reason I did too many is not because I, I want the money, not because I was like, oh yeah, I can make more money, I can make more money. It's because, oh, it, it, Richard Breeze has contacted me. I didn't have Keydom's Dragons booked in, but it's Richard Breeze. Of course I'm going to cover his game. So he said, oh, can you fit, can you fit this playthrough video in the next three weeks? And I'm like, yeah, I, well, I, could, I could fit it in there. I've got a bit of time, I can fit it in there. But what I didn't do is I didn't account for the fact that, oh, I've got to actually get the game, then I've got to learn the game, then I've got to practice teaching the game, then I've got to set all of the studio up, then I've got to do all the camera angles because it's a sponsored video, so I need to make sure every, all the video angles are correct and everything else. And it's a lot of work. Um, and by doing what in my mind was too many sponsored videos, what it did is it put too much pressure on me to, to, to do them all. But also, I do the Patreon campaign in order to fund a lot of the videos on the channel. And I wasn't comfortable when I did like a two or three week stint where almost every video on the channel was sponsored. And I'm like, well, that's, that's not fair on Patreon supporters. And I know many of you think, Paul, you're just being silly. We're happy to support you. You just do whatever you need to do. But for me, what makes me comfortable is having a 50-50 split. So for this, as I say, this last week, I have done no sponsored videos whatsoever. So all of the content on the channel this last week has not been paid for. Next week, um, the September video is gonna go live and that was sponsored. So next week, I think he's more like the 50-50 balance. Although I am doing Sniper Elite on Friday and that's sponsored as well. So I'm doing a solo playthrough on uh, Wednesday night, that's not sponsored. But essentially, I wanna get back to this 50-50 mix where well, roughly, 50% of the videos on the channel are not sponsored and are covered through Patreon. Plus, I want to be making more videos that you want to see. So games that you want to see on the channel, I, I want to take your votes or take your requests and I want to cover them on the channel uh, even if they're, if they're not sponsored. So yeah, that's where I want to get to. Now, let's talk about the giveaway. Last video log, I mentioned that there won't be a Patreon giveaway for last month. And actually, there was. So... Organising the Patreon giveaways, again, is quite a lot of work and I just didn't manage to find the time to do it. However, um, when I was learning Amygdala from Game Brewer, I did some rulebook consultancy on it. They didn't ask me to do some rulebook consultancy, but I offered because I was learning the rulebook. I was learning the game from a draft rulebook. And then what I did is I actually gave them some feedback on the rulebook to help them make the rulebook better. Uh, and Amanda from Game Brewer was very, very thankful of that. And she says, oh, thank you very much, Paul. This has been really, really useful. Um, I, I will give you an extra copy of the game as a, as a thank you for doing it. And you can use it as a giveaway. So I thought, brilliant. I didn't actually have a giveaway for last month, but I did a giveaway. Uh, and Kevin knew someone. So thank you very much, Kevin, for your, for your support. Uh, and there will be a copy of Amygdala on its way to you once it's ready and been printed. This month's giveaway is for a copy of Star Wars Outer Rim. So to celebrate the release of the expansion, I have a copy, I have an extra copy of Star Wars Outer Rim in my attic, and one of my patron supporters at producer level or higher is going to win that. I will be doing the draw at the end of this month. And this is one of those contests where you don't need to do anything to enter. You simply have to be a patron supporter at producer level or higher, and if you are, you will automatically get entered into the draw. So one of you is going to win a copy of Star Wars Outer Rim. Good luck. Upcoming plans. Let's do this quickly before the battery runs out. Uh, I'm actually really excited about all of the stuff that I've got coming in the next few weeks, but it is busy. Next week, I will be doing a solo game of Star Wars Outer Rim on Wednesday. 
I will be doing an unboxing video for a game called Ark Awakening, and I will be doing a video of Sniper Elite on Friday with both of the designers. So it will be a remote playthrough, not using Tabletop Simulator. We will be using the physical copy of the game, but it will be a remote playthrough with both of the, de of the designers of Sniper Elite. That's happening on Friday. The week after, I will be covering the solo game of Sniper Elite, because I want to see how the solo game works. I will be doing uh, some coverage of a game called Silver Coin Age of Monster Hunters that the publisher has asked me to do. So the publisher is going to be teaching me how to play the solo game over Tabletop Simulator. Uh, and also next week, I'm going to be covering the UK map for Mini Express. Mini Express is a game that I enjoy, and the UK map is an expansion set uh, designed by Tony Boydell. Um, and I'm going to be covering that next week. Also, the week after, I'm going to be covering a game called Shoes Tactics. I'm going to be doing a rulebook test for Mythwind. And the last thing, between now and the next video log, is I'm going to have my birthday. So at the start of July is my birthday weekend. My birthday is actually on the 3rd of July, which is a Sunday. And I'm not sure what I want to do for my birthday this year. I've got a number of choices, and I'm curious to know what you think. And I know a lot of you are probably just going to say, Paul, do whatever makes you the happiest. And don't worry, I will. But I'm also keen to know what you think I should do. So the two options are that I host a virtual gaming convention for the weekend and I get together with patron supporters all around the world and we play lots of games using Tabletop Simulator, Board Game Arena and everything like that. And that means you, as a patron supporter of mine, if you are one, you get a chance to join in with this online gaming convention that I will run for the weekend and you can play some games with me or other people. The other option is that I actually host a games day here at the house and I invite friends round and we play games and we stream them. Um, and I'm not sure which one of those I want to do. Obviously getting local friends round and playing games physically is always good. We will live stream them so that people can watch. But also I quite like the idea of playing games with Patreon supporters um, as a way of me giving something back to you. And it means don't have to get dressed. So let me know what you think. Anyway, that is the end of this video log. I'm going to edit this later on today or tomorrow morning and get it out there. As I mentioned, a huge thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for making these videos possible. If you've got any comments or feedback, please let me know in the uh, comments field. And uh, good luck to everybody for the Star Wars Outer Rim X no, the Star Wars Outer Rim contest, which is which is this month. <sighs> I'm exhausted. I think that's everything. We're off to the tip now to uh, to um, yeah deposit some rubbish and then um, B and Q to buy a new cabinet for the for the bathroom. Exciting life, exciting life. But anyway, lots of games coming up in the next few weeks. But we'll see. Thank you very much for watching. Take care, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.